Do you like buying property? Are you a property nerd? Do you surf realestate.com for fun? Um, maybe you should consider being a buyer's advocate. Going one, going twice, no All right, guys, welcome back to The Property Pod, your weekly engagement into real estate here in your Hobart marketplace. Uh, no time to mess around with uh, all the you hiring that I normally um, start with. Actually, I'm, I'm flying solo in the studio this morning as I record this intro. Uh, the boys are out and about doing things. I think Pat is over in Western Australia and John doing a gin delivery, would you believe? So, uh, yeah, ask, find out more about that in the future. Today, we are um, joined by a special guest. Today we have special guest Emily Wallace, a buyer's advocate from our own backyard here in Tassie. Uh, she's currently taking over the world of Melbourne, however, with a mission to empower first-home buyers and friendly home upsizers. She's uh, uh, really passionate about what she does and a real superstar. Um, purchasing property is a task that um, most people only undertake a few times in their life, and it's, it's pretty daunting, pretty scary. It's kind of why we started this podcast. So having someone like Emily on is, um, yeah, is super handy. So as a buyer's advocate um, with a background in teaching, she uh, started her career in a similar way to mine and then found her way into real estate. Uh, she believes all buyers should have the same level of representation as the vendor. So as a buyer's advocate, Emily levels the playing field for buyers and represents them through the entire purchasing process. Her goal is to reduce fear and anxiety and buying property through education and trust and sharing all her knowledge with others. She also has her own podcast that she co-hosts uh, which is my millennial property podcast check that out if you can but no time to mess around we're just going to jump straight into our chat with emily wallace i'm sure you're going to love this one uh yeah jump on in to our new episode yeah well welcome by our guest today who is um emily wallace emily can you tell us a little bit about yourself Sure thing. So I'm uh, born and bred Tasmanian, which I'm very proud of, and I let people know about all the time. Um, oh, yeah, we're proud of to that Tassie. too. Uh, I, in my professional life, I'm a buyer's advocate. I basically work for buyers in the property transaction um, and absolutely love real estate, property obsessed, property nerd, self-confessed, <laughs> uh, and yeah, have a great time doing it. Yeah, it's super interesting. We were just kind of talking a little bit before we started recording um, about your past. Um, not only are you Tasmanian, uh, you're trying to be a primary school teacher, which uh, that was my background as well. So, oh. yeah, funnily <laughs> enough, we've, we've found our way into real estate. Um, but, yeah, started off with a completely other kind of career goal in mind. Um, how, how long were you doing that just before we, we jump into property? Um, yeah. So I finished talk. the degree and in my final year, I actually knew I didn't want to go into the classroom. Mm. Um, so I did a final year, full year teaching year fours here in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was like, yeah, this is not, not for yeah. me. So I did a few <laughs> days relief total, um, but I ended up in the recruitment side of education. So yeah. I'd never um, officially worked as a, as a teacher. No, well, look, I, I have a very similar story where yeah, <laughs> I was doing my fourth year practice and I was like, oh no, like, I don't think this is what I thought it was going to be well, and then battled it out for a, yeah, for a little while and was like, no, 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 I'm going to do something else. Check so, out. Yeah, yeah. The one thing I have found with, um, especially doing the podcast or, or working in this space is there are ways to educate um, yeah, lots of people through um, other things. So I did pick up a bunch of skills, but I am really sick of my hex debt still uh, <laughs> hanging over me and being like, oh man, that degree I never use. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very true. I always do like hearing about who, what a person did before real estate because it's always really different because at some point everyone goes, I'm just going to have a crack at real estate, you yeah. know, um, and, we, and we see it early in their careers or, you know, really, really late in life as well. Um, how did you 
transition? Yeah, I still ask myself that question, to be honest, because it all unfolded so rapidly. It was never a clear intention of mine. Um, Mm. It was something that came in front of me and I sort of followed it and it led me to where I am. It was never a a really um, big plan to do what I've ended up doing. So basically what happened was I saw a paid um, ad on LinkedIn that said, do you like buying property? Are you a property nerd? Do you surf realestate.com for fun? Um, maybe you should consider being a buyer's advocate. I'd, like I mentioned, I bought my first investment property, but I had never heard the term buyer's agent or buyer's advocate in that process. It was all foreign mm. to me. Learned about it, saw the gap in the market for first home buyers. And honestly, from hearing that and understanding that ad and a phone call behind it, uh, it was three months to quit my corporate job and start in the industry. So I didn't mess around. It was a very quick decision and one that um, I entered into quite naively in hindsight, but uh, I'm very glad that I did it the way I did because, yeah, it's paid off. But how did that naivety benefit you, though? I think that's not a bad thing sometimes. Yeah, it's a really good point. Probably the biggest thing was the financial component. Like I, I definitely should have saved more money before I just <laughs> decided to not have an income uh, for six months. Um, yeah, yeah. But no, I think the biggest thing was I went in with the mindset of educating buyers. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. And that's because that, that's what I thought you would just do, like tell people what you do and, and educate them on how to do it themselves and, you know, um, create a bit of an expert uh, in the industry. And no one else is really doing that and that kind of, has led to where the business being um, where it is today. But yeah, I was just a bit naive about how you even get business. I just took my own approach and it was different to everybody else. So yeah. Just just before we go any further down the road, this is where I get to jump in and kind of say like, I'm the guy outside real estate. I, I don't know all these <laughs> things. Um, for the listeners out there that would have been like you and would have thought like, what is a BA? Like what does a buyer's advocate do? I think you've got a really good analogy about um, car, searching a car yard. I looked on your TikTok or your Instagram. Could you talk us through, kind of just let the listener know, like, what is a buyer's advocate? Definitely. So fundamentally, I think the first thing to understand is the real estate agent, the sales agent, is engaged and paid by the vendor. That is their client. And I always go by the philosophy, if you're not paying, you're not the client. A lot of buyers, don't get me wrong, agents can really help buyers, but at the end of the day, they're not there to save you money. They're there to get the highest price possible for the vendor. So a buyer's advocate is the opposite of that. It's the person who advocates for the buyer and gives them independent uh, opinion and gives them choice. So um, with the car example, it's like if you go to Toyota, Toyota is only going to sell you what they have, a Corolla, uh, whatever else they have. I don't know the, the types of the Toyotas that they have. Yep. They're not going to tell you, hey, go down the road to um, Mazda or Ford Tesla or someone. Yep. Yeah. And try one of their cars because they don't get paid to sell you a Ford. They get paid to sell you a uh, Toyota. So the biggest thing a buyer's advocate does because they're independently engaged by the buyer, they don't care what real estate agency has the property because it actually doesn't impact their outcome. They're paid and engaged by the buyer to pick the best possible property regardless of who's selling it. Yeah, perfect. Awesome. It's such an interesting point because we, so speaking from the seller's agent perspective, is it we can be very seen as very unhelpful for the buyer's journey. I think we'll go, oh, look, well, can you help me find a property? It's like, well, I'd love to, but unless it's through our company, I'm not going to get paid. So, you know, and like you said at the beginning of your career, when your whole structure is paid by transactions and not by the hour, you really have to understand and remember who it is that you're investing your time in and getting paid from. So um, I think a lot of buyers, in which I, I, I love the 
other side to counter to buyers agents because um, they can actually experience what it's like to have a professional working for them. Um, and I just don't, most of their experience getting into the industry would not understanding that fact that, look, no one's actually working for you. Um, and there's a huge, a lot of animosity can be built because of that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. It's quite interesting when you think about it, though. Like if you were going um, through a court case, you know, the defense has a lawyer. Um, yeah. And so does the other side. Like both people are represented. It's just so funny that in real estate you kind of rely on one person to be the middle person for both sides, even though they're only working mm. for one side. It's just it's quite an interesting concept. Yeah, that's a really good um, way of putting it as well. I've never really thought about that yet. Yeah, I guess we've kind of spoken about gatekeepers and stuff, but yeah, yep. there's always been that idea of yeah, you've got to kind of traverse through this tricky minefield. But yeah, only really one side is being represented in that equation. Mm. Mm. Can you kind of talk to me and, and the listeners about like what does a day in the life of a buyer's agent kind of look like? Yeah, for sure. Look, uh, it's hectic. It's organised chaos most of the time yeah, um, yep. between contacting real estate agents to source properties for our clients, uh, prospecting for new clients. So simply, you know, trying to look at some buyers that might want to work with us um, to help them inspecting properties, negotiating deals. Uh, Saturdays are auction bidding. Um, yep. mm. Uh, it's a lot of time on the road and it's a lot of time on the phone. <laughs> They're probably the two key uh, activities that I do the most. Yeah, um, sure. Very, It's actually quite minimal admin, really. There's not a whole lot of admin on my side, which I'm lucky about because I don't really like admin. Um, yeah, yeah. Me. <laughs> I don't know who does. <laughs> you guys are two peas in a pot yeah. over here. <laughs> well, we, did a bit, we did do a big personality. I'm going off track, but a big personality test throughout our business. And it just defined who hates admin and who just, Lives for it, you yeah. know. And you're at the top of the. I'm the on the list. real fast. <laughs> Sorry, me, you keep going. Yeah, they're different skill sets, aren't they? Yeah, you yeah, know? So, uh, yeah, a vast majority is inspecting and qualifying properties for our clients, um, and trying to get them as much choice as possible. And that really comes back to how many real estate agents want to do deals with us and will mm -hmm. give us exclusive access to properties that they have, or at the very least, some intel on a property they have coming up, um, which is the aim of the game. Yeah, I kind of saw in your um, in my little research phase of, of preparing for this that, yeah, you had another video that was kind of like, we are friends with real estate agents, like mm. they're not the enemy. Um, building that relationship is, is really important. Yeah, and, and like we took a team out for lunch last week. We've done a few deals with them and it was just like sitting down with colleagues. Like we really are friends with them. Yep. We do um, make sure that we're very much on the buyer's side and they're very much on the vendor side. Like we go into battle for each each other's um, best interests, yep. but certainly it's a lot easier to get information out of people and to put deals together when you actually have a friendly approach rather than a us against them approach. Well, I guess that another thing is kind of, you know, if you're the, the agent, the selling agent on your side of the fence, John, and mm. you've got listings coming up or you've got buyers or you want to find the buyers you've literally got a resource there where they're like hey like let's team up let's make this work Absolutely. then you don't have to go through all the extra marketing phase and, and kind of all the hunt mm. of of finding the buyer you've got someone that's yeah, basically doing that for you excellent and you've got and you're dealing one of the things that i love is that you're dealing with another professional in the industry so the conversations are very very different um in that um like if emily and i were to negotiate you know, engage in a negotiation, we'll be able to quickly cut through the noise very, very quickly because we know all the terminology, we know all the terms, we know what everything means. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you're, if I'm trying to negotiate with a, a first-time buyer who's just come in, I'll often spend 30 minutes just walking him through the terms of the contract so mm -hmm. that at the time when we're ready to start discussing price and terms, they know what the hell they're even talking about. 
Um, I, I don't mean that maliciously, but for me, you know, it's the on it from a seller's perspective. I need to ensure that a deal, even if it's signed, prices are relevant. Is it going to go through? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you can be guaranteed if you're working with a buyer's agent, well then just buy through that connection alone. It's like this contract is 100% solid. Whether or not yeah. those terms are going to work for us, we'll get through that. But by me working with Emily, I know that this is something I can depend upon. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I know auctions aren't as common in Tassie, although I wish they were because they're always really good fun. Oh, I, I totally agree. Yeah, like they're a great they're a great avenue to sell a property. Um, but in Victoria, like we're the the auction capital over here, and mm. um, when a buyer's agent rocks up to an auction, the agent knows they've got at least one person bidding on the property, and it just mm. de-stresses them. It makes the process easier. We're going to bid at some point. We haven't gotten this far to just rock up and watch. Like we're bidding, and it's guaranteed. So um, yeah, I think that that also helps um, in the auction arena as well. That's got to be like a good feeling. It's almost like a rock star showing up or like, you know, like when they do the <laughs> wrestling entrances. Where they yeah, like yeah. Walk into the oh, room. Right. You it's need old, like entrance old. music like, Emily Waller. Oh, please do that. Please <laughs> do that. <laughs> the, um, what are they called? The yeah, the, uh, fireworks the up in the back. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, oh, yes. I love yeah, it. Yeah, I'm doing that. If ever you bid an auction, um, oh, we're bringing fireworks, well, I promise you. Well, yeah, you're yeah. recent. So um, John's older brother is Luke McGregor, the stand-up comedian and television presenter. Yeah. Um, so John did an auction only recently and I swear you were like practicing some gear, like some real comedy gear. You're like, all right, I'm going to get the stretches going <laughs> on. And I was like, I feel like I'm at a stand up oh. gig and an auction still, all well, at once. The interesting thing is we know that's very, it's more likely that nothing's going to happen, but you still need to put on a show. Yep. Mm. So at least for the, um, so I mean, there was one where, um, it ends up just becoming more of a, like just a presentation, I guess, to keep everyone engaged, even though no one wants to put their hand up. Well, I enjoyed the giggle. I, I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah well, like, <laughs> if, if Luke needs a, you know, brothers in arms for the comedy show, he's got someone to That'd talk to. That would be a terrible mistake. <laughs> He'd just be like, oh, man, I should not have got my brother on the stage. Yeah. <laughs> they call it street theatre over here when there's no one, then they know there's no one who's going to show up. It's just like, oh, it's free street theatre for oh, everyone yeah, in yeah. the neighbourhood to come not watch. Bad. You used to do a coffee van and, I don't know, bubbles and... Um, like kids' bubbles, not champagne bubbles, yeah. um, and lollipops <laughs> well, and stuff. It would work, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. actually, one thing I was curious, Em, is yeah. I know with um, so with this, like, with there was there's I just got through the REIA an ethics review on industry, generally speaking, real estate agents as normal failed hard. Um, and I remember there was one where we we're where the top fifty professions, and then uh, like distrusted professions. Normally we always well there's normally the top 20 which we never make but the one year they released the top 50 and we got like 47 um but what got me was that the average australian will trust their run-of-the-mill sex worker more than their average real estate agent which okay. which was actually on the thing it's like okay well that's where we're starting that's really interesting but i was curious do you from a buyer's advocacy i just never hear it spoken as the same as it does when representing sellers what's the experience you've been like when you, if you think back to the start, now you've built up a reputation. It's very different, but early on, do you find the same backlash or um, pessimism related to buyers working as a buyer's agent versus the other side? What's your experience around that been? It, that's a really great question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that, and I'm really passionate about it because uh, the reason I actually chose to be on the buying side was to shape how BAs are perceived in the industry and to the mm. public. So. Um, 
when I entered, funnily enough, I actually got offered three different jobs as a sales agent. People were like, come work with us. So, like, unfortunately, the impression, particularly in Victoria, is already made of what you are. And I want to impact what uh, an advocate or a buyer's agent can look like. So, we're actually really well received by the general public. The issue um, that can arise is when, and this is getting into technicalities of mm. fees and stuff like that, but when a buyer's agent charges a percentage of the purchase price as their fee. So for context with the listeners, when someone's selling a property, it's not uncommon that the selling agent gets a percentage of the sale as their fee, usually 2%, 3%, depends, every state's different. Um, and so that's great because if they've sold the property, then the vendor pays the money once it's sold and they've got an outcome. When you're working as a buyer's agent, um, if you're paid based on the percentage of what the client spends, you think about it logistically, A, you're probably going to want to spend the most amount of their budget because you're going to get paid more, which is contradictory to saving people money. Um, And B, you're probably going to favour buyers who have more budget because you're going to get paid more overall and it actually Mm. wipes out the people in the market who need your help which is typically first-time buyers so i think in the reputation side of things um i'm very passionate about a fixed fee uh for that very reason and um to try and keep i guess a benchmark of expectation of what you can experience with a buyer's agent um which is there's no best practice manual in Mm. the industry Mm. for us which is actually a real downfall I think that's such an interesting point on the basis of incentive, isn't it? Because mm. what you just described there is if you are working on the basis of percentage is, yes, um, the bigger money, the bigger paycheck for you, but also, too, there is no real incentive to keep to negotiate hard in the favour of the buyers. Like, well, screw it. If we, you know, if we pay an extra 50K to the max of their budget, who cares? Yeah, you yeah. Know? Because mm. there, there, there's no – because your, your incentive at the wrong side. I know um, in the States, for example, um, what's interesting about that part is – the, the obviously they've got their buyers and sellers agents, but it's not quite true. At least in Australia, there's a transparent element where you are getting paid by the buyer. In the states, what happens is there's a larger commission split, be it, you know four, five, six percent, um, and then the seller agent, um, the, sorry, the yeah the the seller is paying everybody. Mm. And then what happens? Like just imagine Emily, Emily and I working in the states. Well, yep. I'll keep aside, and Emily will keep aside. All paid by the seller. So the sort of the sa- same, just I don't know the. Odd incentive structure works on the same basis. Yeah, for sure. So I'm, I totally understand where you come from, Emily. And like, did you, had, how has that, um, in searching for clients then, what has that looked like on the, because I know there's a lot of egos that are driven in this industry with bigger paychecks. What's that been like with you bringing on in your business new clients as well, knowing that you've got a different fee structure or attempting to? Yeah, are you an outlier to yeah. the, the crowd? I wouldn't say I'm an outlier in necessarily the fee structure because a lot of people are shifting to the fixed fee because we were more and more people win business off a fixed fee than a than a percentage. Yeah. Um, but what I would say is that we have refined quite heavily to uh, purchase properties pretty much under 1.5 million. Now, in some areas, that sounds like a lot of money. In others, it's barely anything. It won't even get you like a two-bedroom um, house, yeah, So, yeah, yeah. Um, which is crazy in itself. But um, I think our point of difference is that we, we sort of are the little fish and we're helping the first home buyers. Most mm. um, advocacies will have a minimum spend and it might be two mil as the entry level. Um, and some are more like only do five mil plus because they'll only do a deal every six weeks, but they're getting paid, you know, like 60 to 100K a deal. So yeah, sure. Two deals a year and you're 
Yeah, you're back. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. Just move to Malta. Which is a terrific idea. <laughs> <laughs> I I really love the idea of, yeah, let's get in and help these first home buyers. And it was kind of where this podcast was born, mm. was the idea of there's this group of people who are being like moved out of the system. Like this idea of the Australian dream of owning a home is is being taken away. Let's find a way of educating people. And yeah, obviously with your education background, it's a really key big part of, of what drives you. What kind of um, what kind of people do you find that you come across? Like, do you have a, a normal demographic of um, of of buyers? What, what would you call it? like or clients? Hmm. Yeah. yeah, we do. Our uh, can describe our top two people that we like profiles that we work with. Yeah, number one is a young couple um, who are probably in their mid to late twenties who have a dog. They want yep, a courtyard okay. or a backyard for their dog and they're planning for baby number one and mm. they want like a two-bedroom entry-level villa unit or townhouse, uh, definitely under a million dollars. That's our yep. main, like we buy so many of those. Um, and then the other profile we deal a lot with, which I love, uh, are single female clients who um, are buying solo. So their mortgage is a little bit less. It's not a dual income household, probably between six to 700000 um, as their sort of safe base of, this is what I'm starting with. If I meet someone down the track, uh, this will be become an investment property for me. Yes. They're sort of setting their their financial um, house up from the get go, um, and that's probably I, I think I just that's what I attract because that's what I am um, probably. But yeah, that's what we do a lot of. I'm wondering as well, like obviously in in um, the way that you market yourself, your, your kind of online presence is is quite large. You've got a a, um, a big following on TikTok. You've got your podcast. I'd love to know more about kind of how you got into that but yeah do you think um that yeah working in that space is what's attracted those people who are using kind of those platforms to find your services most definitely uh yeah especially yeah. tiktok uh, a lot of millennials on tiktok who endlessly scroll are all guilty of it um but yeah we're not we're not really dealing with many established families who are looking to upsize. We used to do a little bit more of it, yep. um, but a lot more are probably 35 years and under. Can you like kind of, yeah, take us down that road of kind of being like, yeah, I'm going to jump into this world of TikTok and podcasting and, and educating people that way. I, I was so against the world of TikTok when it came out. I know just this idea of these crazy dancing, but mm. I, I use it all the time and it's really useful once the algorithm works out what you're kind of like down the it, rabbit hole it feeds you some pretty good content <laughs> it's the best algorithm setup i've ever seen so mm. i've sort of graduated from platform to platform i think like i started heavily on linkedin when linkedin video was a big thing yep. back in 2018 and that's how i grew the business in, initially um and that was a really great platform then i moved to instagram and i focused on reels a lot and posting a lot of stories about i document everything that i was doing and yep. now i've I still on Instagram a fair bit. I've got a really loyal community, but now I've graduated to TikTok. And mm. I only wish I'd gotten on TikTok sooner because the rewards from TikTok, it's such an instant reward of people watching your content, resonating yeah. with it, finding out, you know, who you are, booking a call. Like um, I can't spend enough time on TikTok, to be honest, in terms of promoting the business um, for the return that we get in qualified clients coming to us. We have a wait list now for clients purely because we've like, we just, yeah, blown up on TikTok and um, yeah, it's content that people are finding useful. Even if they don't use our services, they get value out of what we put out there. Yeah. Well, even I was going to say, as I was yeah traversing through the, the suburbs of Melbourne 
videos. Yeah. They're amazing. They're so good. Do you have a videographer that does that? Sorry, this is not part of the podcast. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, yeah, we do have a videographer who does the yeah, um, the more detailed shoots. Um, and yeah, Suburbs of Melbourne is a segment that he helps with, yes. It's it's really amazing. It's something I've been trying to get up off the ground, um, like similar down here. Um, yeah, shout out to your videographer and for, for you guys. It's yeah, I love when you're talking to the people in the streets and tell us all about Northgate and they're just, oh, this over here is a beautiful cafe. Yeah. <laughs> they're so passionate. Neighbours are always so passionate about their area. Well, it, I guess that's the thing is that, um, it, it again, to the, I've certainly noticed is that the idea of like, the perception of real estate agency is not great, but ironically, everyone wants to talk about it and talk to us about it. Yeah. Uh, and talk, talk about themselves about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think um, no matter how much technology does advance and, you know, this changing world that we live in, uh, real estate, I believe, will remain a people business where real estate yeah. agents are required and the skill set that can't be done by a robot, mm. um, you know, is required. And that's that human element of, the process, you know, selling or buying a property for someone is a huge milestone. It's a big financial milestone. It's a life-changing decision. Um, for a lot of people, it's, you know, moving from one chapter of their life to another. So, yeah, there's definitely that room for, I don't think it would be taken away by um, the advances in technology. There's room for the human element there for sure. Well, that's where, you know, for me, um, I guess because I'm a much more per- person-driven rather than technology. Um, You're an analog driven. man. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's that. Everyone gets excited about, oh, AI is the next, it's just the next thing. It's, the next thing. it's like, how the hell is AI supposed to do what you do? him? Like, rock up to auctions, visit the properties, aside from... Um, no, I've worked it out. You get that profile that we um, got before about the person with the dog, and then you send oh, that down yeah. to uh, another <laughs> yeah, yeah. AI computer. Here's, here's 10 worry. properties. Yeah. Here's 10 properties. But, well, I mean, I, I thought that, say, I just, there's, what, there's a, those, a lot of those different referral companies where they'll say... Um, Give us your information. We'll connect you with three different real estate agents. And I got to see behind the scenes of what that looks like. And ironically, there wasn't a hell of a lot of work that was done behind it. They just yeah. when they just went, oh, here's three people, here's some sales, and then and then you go call them now. There's very little, um, you know, work that goes into that. Yeah. Um, but it just I know on on the ground like how much legwork and that you have to do in order to secure those properties eventually for those clients. And it's just a phenomenal amount of hours sometimes. And on your website, it said we'll often you know find your house within 31 days. On average, but I mean, I mean, tell me, like, what's how often can you remember a client? Can you remember the longest time you've been working with a client? Yes, I, I can. Um, it was last year, so 2022. Um, they're the only client, so we, we have a 90 day, a three month engagement, and every client except this one client um, bought within that time frame. Mm. And people don't even really near the 60 day mark, like, really, it's between four and six weeks. Um, but this client, and they're such a beautiful client, like we love them. There wasn't anything wrong with them going over time. The reason they took so long is because the stock levels at the price point they were at, they were sort of like a three to $4 million buyer, one of our biggest buyers. Um, you you just don't, the whole time on those properties is so long that you're lucky to get one property that's in the area they want, like every eight weeks, maybe if you're lucky. Yeah. So um, the reason that blew out was because of, of that and they were fine like we got them a great house in the end um and they're really really happy and they're going to do renos and live there forever but yeah we had them probably for i think five and a half months in the end um wow. but they were lovely people it's probably mm. different when expectations aren't aligning or there's something not quite right but that wasn't the case for these clients it was just timing on the on the flip side what about like shortest engagement is there been like hey boom, boom. 
boom, I've got you four, four <laughs> hours later. Last week, so um, we engaged a client on the, I think it was, we met with them on the Friday to send out their profile on the Tuesday. Yep. Harry, um, my brother who works with me, he posted something on socials on the Thursday. So two days later, I got through it on the following um, it's like an agent replied, sorry, on Instagram with the property. I yeah. got through on the Monday. The client got through on the Thursday. So we're like, what, nine right. days in? Yeah. And um, this week we've just signed the contract so, for it. Off-market exclusive access. She's been looking for eight months before using us. Yeah. And we found something in area, in budget, bigger than what she expected she could buy. Um, and, yeah, she'll move in before Christmas. Uh, that was like a yeah nine-day turnaround. That's awesome. That's so Great. good. That's money for jam as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. For, for the client, not, you know, not for yeah. you. It's just yeah. like the amount, because the amount of work that she otherwise would have had to spend to do it on her own is insane. You know, yeah. weekend inspections, private inspections, new relationships. It, it, the biggest thing in that is that agent knows us so well that he instantly replied to the Instagram story because he's like, I know that if you've got someone, you'll wrap it up. Like you just, yeah. yeah. So whilst the time taken to actually get the property was so small, that relationship's been four years in the making to make sure that that's how they perceive us and, you know, how we deal with them. So, yeah, it Mm. is, you can't really put a dollar value on that because it results in an awesome outcome. Oh, look, and that's what I think people just don't see is that, look, the reason why I was able to go through smoothly for you is because it's been five years worth of work before just for you to come in at this this one moment. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, what, what are the, if, what are the common objections to someone using you? Like if they, what, what do you often come across? Oh, pr- price is always the biggest one because people have to pay us. Um, it's not like when someone sells, you know, they've got the sale proceeds to basically pay your commission out. Like they mm. don't actually pay you till they get an outcome with us that we do have an engagement fee to begin with that kicks off the 90 days mm-hmm. and then a success fee once they have an unconditional contract. So for a lot of first home buyers, it's not that they don't see value in us. It's more that it eats into their deposit too much and they simply mm-hmm. can't afford us. Um, so that's probably the biggest pushback that we get. Not that they want us to change our fees, like they understand the value in our fees. They're just like, I simply can't afford it. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll circle back later. That being said, when you think about the Melbourne property market and how quickly it increases at the moment, even if it was increasing, you know, um, on a 1% median uh, change every month, like that, that median was creeping up by 1%, by three months' time, our fee would be saved in the fact that you probably can't afford now yeah, what you wanted. Right. So, yeah, that's such an interesting point. Spend money to make money, mm. this type of, yeah, but that's the main objection. I suppose, too, though, is that the, if you were to, as, as a negotiator, again, based on your reputation, that more often than not, you're going to be able to secure a better deal than otherwise would have been able to do on their own, too, I would think. We had one client recently who came from TikTok, funnily enough, um, yeah. and we negotiated a deal after it flopped at auction, and um, they were prepared to spend three, uh, it was 860 was their budget of what they would spend on this property, mm. and um, I was like, we can definitely get it for less than that. Like, oh, you know, 850, 850. I was like, no, leave it with me. Yeah, just, just we got it do down <laughs> to like, yeah, yeah. And this is the thing, right? If I was paid yeah. by percentage, I'd be like, yeah, just pay 850. Sure. We'll get the deal done. I sure. got it down to, I got them down to, I think it was 815. And they're like, we're so happy with that. Like, let's just sign it. And I was like, nah, I reckon I can get you another five. Like, that's a couch for your new house. Let me see if I can go in for five more. And mm. we got it for 810 and, you know, signed. And they would have paid 860, 50 grand if they weren't, you know. So there is a saving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, like, um, it, that's it's, it's so interesting because it's a perception of value, right? Well, look, mm. I mean, how many times are you buying a house in your lifetime? It, mm. It's like, I'm buying multiple a year, you know? So it's just there's such a difference in, um, you know, 
yeah, perceived value and actual value. And that's such a good one that's measurable. Yeah, and that's the thing. It is hard. The off-market component is actually another real valuable piece. Like I've gotten properties off-market, exclusive access to me. A client has said no for whatever reason, and that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's gone on market with competition and it's sold for 60, 70 grand more. Great outcome for the vendor. Like, don't get me wrong, it's awesome sales result. But it's like, well, you could have had it for this, you know, um, six weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so there is that saving that you can't quite quantify when you buy off-market as well. In those instances too, is it again your clients are just saying, uh, are they don't? If you do look at that experience specifically, what was it that had the your client not pursuing with the sale? Was it the um, was it the the vendor saying no? Or was it your client that said no? I don't want to pay that. Uh, it was just that it didn't feel like the right house, which is something that I struggle oh. like because I'm so non-emotional about the purchase. But obviously, our client is their home; like mm. it just doesn't feel right. And mm. I just have to take their word for that. If it doesn't feel right when they're spending that much money, I, you know, who am I to say it should feel right? It's yeah, you know, yeah. so yeah, it just wasn't the right one. That's tough. It's like you know, it's a good deal, but I mean, yeah. I, I sort of I've, I've heard it said before: is that we buy on emotion and mm. we justify with logic later. Yeah. Whereas in your case, your role, you're justifying the logic, but it's just you just can't get them over across the line. That's just human yeah. nature, you know, human nature. So if you're well, if you're now, if you're now, you're with the experience you have. Are you using a buyer's agent if ever you want to buy properties at this point, or are you, um, you know, are you doing it for yourself? Yeah, so I've bought two um, investment properties um, since um, with a, using a buyer's uh, agent um, out of Sydney. Um, they cover all of Australia for investment purchases. So I have actually been a paid paying client of another mm. BA to buy properties. And um, most recently, as recently as this week, I've actually found a place that I would like to buy as my own home. And mm, I don't think dangerous. I can bid for myself. Like yeah. I actually don't <laughs> yeah. think yeah, that yeah, is yeah. possible. Yeah, yeah. I've already like, I'm like, that's my house. Um so yes, I, that's how much I believe in it. Is that I, I wouldn't even buy my own property. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I think I've also seen that um, things are going so well for you guys. Like as you say, you've got the wait list. You've moved into a new space. You've mentioned, and I think the yeah. team is planning on growing come February next year. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Looking for a new recruit. So yeah, it's all it's all systems go at the moment. Yeah. So I suppose with that with that case, mate, like. Um, the the next six months, then is it you still want to be continuing in the role that you are doing, or are you hoping to transition to um, a, an educator for growing a team at this point? Yeah, very much the latter. So um, I will step away to a degree uh, from doing the deals. I'll be mm. more so coaching the team how to do the deals um, and step in where I need to with relationships that I have. But I actually want to travel a lot more. I feel like I've missed my traveling years yeah. a little bit because I started the business when I was 25 and so I've had my head down for five years um, and I just want to like see the world. So uh, mm. I will do lead generation through the form of content, educating people and then helping the team out remotely um, with coaching and training. And then there will be a team that grows um, with Harry stepping up more into a, a BA role and then um, other people stepping into the business as well. So I've been saying for a long time that I don't want to grow. I like a lean team but yeah, i've realized yeah. that yeah actually I, I do need people so we will well, i guess grow. it's like you said when you um took the jump from like the corporate world into this you were kind of like i was unprepared and naive and i just went for it mm. sounds like you just yeah it's time just to level up to the next level and look you can do it from anywhere in the world like the the power of zoom now you could be doing your meetings from 
I don't know, the Bahamas hey, look, or we'll Europe. Throw, we'll through the connections we have with the leading real estate agents, um, Fiabsi, maybe I'll, I might even send you those details, is that yeah. um, connect you with like, I mean, those guys buy internationally. Yeah. Um, wow. You know, so they, like with that stuff then, they buy all across the world. Um, so the networks that they build are very, very different again, you know. So, that would be cool if, um, if Emily from Tasmania just took over the world. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we haven't got to cover off on, on your podcasting side, but mm. do you want to give it a quick plug and let our listeners know that if they enjoy our rubbish that you might actually get some information from um, from your show? You've got to give yourself a bit more credit than that. I think this is awesome what you guys are doing and we're doing something similar really. Like you can you can never listen to enough podcasts in my opinion, always commuting and always, you know, something in your ears. So um, I co-host the My Millennial Property Show and along with um, another John, John Pigeon. Um, and yeah, we just talk about all topics to do with buying property. I'm more about home buying. John's more about investing. And then together we just answer questions and have a yarn and um yeah hopefully people get value out of it yeah for sure and there's a stack of episodes out there and it's also part of like the my money um millennial yeah my, my millennial, millennial money is yeah yes. the overarching um brand i guess and they've got all these little subcategories yeah. of different topics yeah i hadn't realized until i did a bit more research that yeah they branched out into all these other places it's really cool yeah it's a great ecosystem to create it that's for sure mm. yeah awesome. yeah glenn's well, basically a full-time podcaster who runs my millennial money that's his that's his job. Isn't it crazy? I remember mm. when I went to uni studying teaching, they were, were saying about how, you know, when you start teaching kids, by the time they graduate, there'll be new jobs that didn't exist. Yeah. When they think mm. like, if someone yeah. said, oh, you're a full-time podcaster, or even when I think like I run the media team here, I'm just like, how what? is this a real job? <laughs> this is not a real job. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on and, mm. and having a yarn with us. Good luck with um, the kind of next step up into into the um, the yeah. big leagues. Really, um, you're really already for you. taking over the big leagues and, and kicking butt, but yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> At least give, <laughs> Time will tell. A holiday, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Go on a holiday. Go <laughs> around the world. Train up your team. Let Harry do all the hard hard work for a little while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harry's turn. Yeah, but, Harry's um, yeah. turn. <laughs> Thank you so much. We'll put some plugs in at the end um, to the show. Do you want to direct anybody anywhere in particular? Not really. They, if they search my name or they search my millennial property, they'll find me eventually, you know. Awesome. <laughs> Not a problem. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, thank you. Yeah, Appreciate it. Forward. You have been listening to The Property Pod, recorded and edited by 414 Media House in conjunction with 414 Property Code. This podcast is general information only and the thoughts and views expressed is the opinion of our panel and listeners should always seek then use their own investigation into any topic we discuss to ensure they fully understand their own situation. It does not constitute and should not be relied on as purchasing, selling, financial or investment advice or recommendations expressed or implied and it should not be used as an invitation to take up any agent or investment services. No investment decision or activity should be undertaken on the basis of this information without first seeking qualified and professional advice.